for our, our gospel message this evening. I want to consider with you perhaps one of the most searching parables that the Lord Jesus ever told. And that's the parable that we read from a few moments ago in Luke chapter 16. It's often referred to as the parable of the unjust stewards. And this evening, my title for our sermon is a question. And the question is very simply this. Are we ready for eternity? Are we ready for eternity? And as we work our way through this parable this evening, I want you to have that question, as it were, at the back of your mind. Am I ready? Am I prepared for eternity? Well then, let's turn to this parable this evening here in Luke chapter 16. It's an intriguing parable, as I said, an interesting parable, but a searching parable. And as Jesus tells this parable, he centers the whole of this story around a man. We find this man in verse 1, a man who is described as being a steward. We read there that there was a certain rich man which had a steward. And the steward here in this opening verse is the focus of this story, this parable that the Lord Jesus Christ tells. And it would appear that this steward was the manager of this rich man's estate. The rich man that is mentioned here, presumably he owned land, he owned property, land perhaps to farm, vineyards even, barns to store his goods, perhaps even homes for those that worked on his estate. And the steward was charged with looking after this vast estate of this rich man. This is what the steward does. It's what a steward is employed to do. A steward is someone who manages another person's wealth. They don't own the wealth themselves, but they have the privilege of enjoying and using that wealth for the profit of their master. A good example uh, in the Old Testament, for example, would be Joseph. If you remember Joseph in the book of Genesis, how he was made an overseer. He was made a steward of Potiphar's house. And we read that Potiphar had put into Joseph's hand everything. There wasn't a single thing that wasn't under, as it were, his jurisdiction. Joseph himself said that his master had committed all that he had into his hand. Joseph was his steward, managing his estate. And this particular steward here in our, in our parable would no doubt have had the responsibility of collecting the rent from different people, different properties. He would have been involved in buying and selling commodities from the farm and so on. He had the, the duty of managing the day-to-day -day business affairs of this rich man's um, estate. And it was a great responsibility. The owner was wealthy. We're told that he was a, a rich man. And so this steward would have been dealing with large sums of money and large quantities of expensive commodities. And we see something of that, don't we, if you just jump down into verses 6 and seven, he talks about a hundred measures of oil and a hundred measures of wheat. And of course, it's difficult to translate these into modern equivalents today, but the, the point is this, these were significant amounts. These were not petty amounts. These were significant and uh, high-value products and, and amounts that he's dealing with here. This man, you see, had a, a great responsibility, but there was one vital thing that a steward must always remember, and that's 
this, that while he was surrounded by enormous wealth and while he may handle great riches on a day-to-day basis, he must always remember that none of these riches belonged to him, but rather they belonged to his master. And therefore, you see, if these riches belong to his master, then the steward must be faithful to his master. Paul actually tells us that in 1 Corinthians and chapter 4. He says there in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2, he says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. You see, that's the one quality that was needed. It was faithfulness. A steward must be faithful to his master. And he had to use the goods that were given to him to please his master. That was his, that was his job. Sort of an equivalent today would be a farm manager, wouldn't it? You have the person who owns the estate, owns the farm, but he lets others manage that estate for him. And they're to do so to please their master, to use those things to bring profit to their master. Well, in this parable here this evening, we read that this steward, rather than being faithful, was unfaithful. We read there in verse 1 that he had wasted his goods. He had squandered his master's possessions. It's clear, I think, from the parable that he hadn't enriched himself. He hadn't, you know, uh, taken this money and made himself rich on the side and then invested it in in things for himself. No, because we we read that he was close to coming to begging in verse 3. When the stewardship was about to be taken from him, he thought, I'm going to become a beggar. Rather, it would uh, would appear that this steward had just lived a, a wanton life. He'd lived perhaps sumptuously. He just lived off these things and just uh, used his master's good in this wasted, wasteful way. He was careless. He had wasted his goods. Now it's worth just pausing here for a moment and just noting that there's a clear parallel with this parable and the previous parable. If you go back into Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15, we have uh, that very famous passage where the Lord Jesus Christ tells these three parables of the lost things, the lost sheep, the lost silver, and the lost son. And we have this parable of the the prodigal son. And you read there that he wasted his goods, didn't he? He took what his father had given to him, his inheritance, and he went and he wasted it, we're told. Wasted his father's wealth. And, And Jesus now tells another parable about a man, a steward, who wasted wealth. And so we have this connection between these two parables. We have a prodigal son and now we have a prodigal steward. Both had wasted their master's wealth. Now we're not told how in this parable how he had wasted his master's goods. Perhaps it was deliberate. Perhaps uh, he's involved in some sort of scam or fraud or involved in embezzlement. We're not told. Perhaps it was just, just carelessness lost a grip, he had mismanaged the estate, he, you know, it was just a lack of effort and laziness and he, things had just got out of hand. Either way, this man wasted his master's goods. And friends, this evening, Christ, as, as, he, as he so often does, he's drawing a portrait of us. That's what these parables were all about. They were pointing to what we are like, you and me tonight. 
And this brings us to our first point this evening, and that is that we are stewards. Have you ever thought about that this evening? Friends, tonight that we're stewards. Like this man in this parable, we are managers. And God is our master. He is the one who is, the, as it were, the rich man. Out of the abundance of his wealth, he's graciously entrusted to us so much. We are his creatures, aren't we? We sung at the beginning uh, uh, Isaac Watts' sort of rendition of Psalm 100 that reminds us that it's he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are the sheep of his pasture. Remember what Paul said, it's in him that we live and move and have our being. And of course, God is the one who pours out his mercy upon us daily. We, we are the benefactors of his common grace day after day. He gives us so much. And the question is, have we been faithful with all the things that God has given to us? Have we remembered that these goods and, and these riches, they don't belong to us, but they belong to God's? Just stop and think with me for a moment of all the things that God has bestowed upon you. It's a vast list, actually, when you begin to think about everything that you have, everything that you own and possess, everything that God has graciously given to you. Think of your wealth, for example, and your possessions, the material things that you've got, your home, your car, your phone, your goods, your clothes, your food, all these things that are daily poured out upon you, the general affluence that you enjoy, all these things that you've acquired from the hand of God. How have you used these things? Have you used them for your heavenly master? Have you used them for the praise of almighty God who's given them to you? What about your time? Think of your time. Some of you here have lived for a number of decades on this earth. God has granted to you so much time. How have you used that time that God's given to you? Have you redeemed the time, as we're told to in Scripture? Have you used all your opportunities wisely? Have you used your time profitably in praise and adoration of God? We could turn, it's not only our time, but our abilities and our gifts. Think of your mind, your genius, your thoughts, your capacity to reason and assess. How have you used your thinking Or you could turn to your status, your power, your influence in this world. What of all these things? Have you used them for the glory of God? And you see, here in this parable, Christ is reminding us that as God's stewards, we have wasted his goods. Now, I think there's two kinds of wasters. There's two kinds of people who waste the goods. There are some people who deliberately go out of their way to defy God's deliberately seek to squander life's goods, as it were. They live selfishly and they waste what God has given to them in a, in a, in a sense in defiance with God. No God for me. I don't want God in my life. I'm going to use everything that he's given and I'm going to live selfishly for me. And they waste their lives, waste everything in selfish gain and defiance against God. Perhaps there's someone here like that tonight. Just live for yourself. Live with no thought, no concern whatsoever for God's. But there are others who are just careless. 
You don't really take any thought about these things. It's not a, you don't live your life in defiance against God, but you just live life as you please. You just carry on. You get up, you go to work, you just live your life as normal. You don't realize that all the time you're squandering the things that God has given to you. Whichever camp you fall into tonight, friends, this evening, let me tell you, God is your master. And you belong to him, and everything that you have belongs to him. You see, we're indebted to God, aren't we? He's given us life. The most precious thing of all. And we've squandered these things, and we've squandered them in the, most, the worst way imaginable, and that's through our sin. We've sinned against God, haven't we? Remember what God's word tells us. The word, God's word reminds us that, we, that God rightfully demands everything from us. Do you remember what the words in Deuteronomy that we should love him with all our hearts and with all our soul and with all our mind and with all our strength? In other words, everything that you have, every part of your being should be given up in perfect praise and worship to God's. And yet sadly, like this steward in this parable, We've wasted his goods, haven't we? We've not used them for the profits and the worship of the God who has made us and sustains us. But you know, moving on this evening in this parable here, we also note that not only are we, are we stewards, but we're accountable stewards. Look again at verse 1. You notice here there's a certain rich man which had a steward and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And we come into uh, verse 2, you see the rich man's heard, someone has accused him of being dishonest and wasteful and so in verse 2 the master calls him and said unto him, how is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship for thou mayest be no longer steward. The steward is, is called to give an account of the things that he's been up to. You know, as I, as I read this, it sort of uh, has that same sort of ring. Do you remember as a child when you get called to the headmaster's office? And uh, there's that ominous air, isn't there, when you hear those words, your name being called, particularly if you know you've done something wrong. Of course, I wouldn't know anything about those sort of things but you know that ominous ring that you get when you're you're called before the headmaster and you can imagine here the steward his time's up the call's given you need to come before the rich master and the impression here is that this this man had been wasting his master's goods over a period of time it had been happening you know, here and there, and it had been happening for some time. The rich man probably didn't live away from where the steward was. But he's now heard. Perhaps the rich man had been suspicious, but now he has the evidence to actually accuse him. You could imagine something very similar today. We've got friends who used to own a shop in Northern Ireland, and they employed various staff, and... Um, on one occasion they knew that money had been taken from the till but of course you can't just accuse somebody you can't just uh, bring that bring a person before you and you accuse them of things if you haven't got the evidence and uh, my friend was telling me that it took a number of time he had his suspicions as to which one of his staff was pinching from the till but it took time to bring that man and perhaps that's what's been happening here perhaps the rich man he's had his suspicions over time that you know that somebody's been something's not quite adding up something's not quite right here and eventually uh, he's caught him and he's accused 
And the rich man knew that the books didn't add up and he, and he has his suspicions and so he brings this man before him to give an account. Now you notice that in this parable here, this man makes no explanation. He has no excuse. He's guilty and he knows it. In verse 3, he just says, what shall I do? He knows his, his time is up. You know, he knows that just a brief scrutiny of the accounts and, and this man is going to, it's all going to be revealed. All his carelessness is going to be there on show for the rich man to see. And the picture is clear, isn't it? This man was accountable. And just as he was called before his master to give an account of his stewardship, so each one of us one day will have to give an account of our stewardship to our heavenly master. We see this all the way through scripture, don't we? Romans chapter 14 reminds us that we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Later on in that very same chapter, Paul says, So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. See, the apostle makes it clear in other places too that we're all going to have to stand before this judgment seat and everyone will receive the things done in the body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. You know, friends, that day will be a day when the Lord, we're told, will bring light to the hidden things of darkness and he will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. Everything will be revealed. Everything will be open. Everything's naked before God. He can see it all. There'll be nothing secret on that day when we stand before God. There'll be no sin that you'll be able to hide from him. There may be things in your life that you've covered up and hidden for years. There may be particular sins, awful things perhaps in your life that you'll even take with with you to the grave. And no one else may know about them. But Paul reminds us that every man's work will be manifest on that day. No secrets with God's. You remember another example in the Old Testament. You remember Achan. Remember the story of Achan and the book of Joshua, how he coveted, he saw that silver, he saw that gold. And of course, they were not allowed to to take these things. God had expressly commanded that they should not take the things from the city of Jericho. It was all to be given to God. But Achan saw it, and he saw it was good, and he saw that, that wonderful garment, and he saw the silver and the gold, and he wanted it. And he took it. Remember what he did with it? He ran back and he tried to bury it in his tent, try and hide it from everyone. And of course, nobody knew, did they? They went into battle in Ai. Nobody knew the reason for their loss. Nobody understood, but the Lord did. You remember that wonderful story, how the Lord brought it right down. It's going to be from this tribe, from this family. And eventually God points the finger and says to Achan, it's you, you've sinned. And we have that verse in Numbers, don't we? Be sure your sin will find you out. And if it doesn't find you out in this life, it will find you out in the world to come. Remember what David wrote, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Friends, this evening, are you ready for that day when you'll be called before the judgment seat of Christ? When you'll be called to give an account of your stewardship on this earth? Well, you see, in this parable, the steward was called to give an account. But then, the, but then the story takes this unusual twist. And it has this sort of, the Lord Jesus Christ, as he so often did of his parables, he just added in something else. And a wonderful little element here as he's telling the parable. And, and uh, as he tells it, it would have woken people up. That's what I want to do this evening, wake you up. 
And he tells this little twist here. In verses 3 to 8, here's this steward. He says, what shall I do? What, you know, what's, what am I going to do? He realizes he's about to lose his job. He realizes that all his financial security is going to go. He's going to be left as a potential beggar. And so he says in verse 3, look, I, I cannot dig. What he's saying is, look, I can't do physical labor. Perhaps this was because he was used to doing a cushy job, sat down in a nice seat and so on. And perhaps he had very little to do with physical uh, you know, exercise and so on. Or perhaps it was just an issue of pride. He was so used to having a particular high-ranked job that he thinks, I can't, I can't do physical work. And then he says, look, to beg, I am ashamed. You know, I can't, I'm not going to go out and start begging. I'm, I'm too high for this. I'm a man of importance. I've had this wonderful job. I've been living this wonderful life. I'm not going to beg. And you see, he's, he has this, this pride in his heart, but he can, and he comes up with this idea. And it's a very clever idea. And this is where we get to the real crux of the parable that the Lord Jesus Christ is, is telling here. The steward realizes that he's going to be thrust out of his home. He realizes he's going to lose everything. He sees the predicament in the future. He sees what's going to happen. And so in response, he prepares a way to secure his future. He comes up with his plan in verses 5, 6, and 7. It says there, So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him, and he said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, and sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then said he to another, And how much owest thou? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, take thy bill and write fourscore. You see, the, the, this steward, he calls in all his master's debtors. One by one, they come in. We're given an example of two here to express what he did with all of them. And he's going to dishonestly change their bill. You know, with a few squiggles of the pen, you know, rub this out and write something else instead. The debtors, by the end of it, now owe the master less money or less goods than they did before. And so in a sense, they're now indebted to him. And they're thankful to him. You see, while he had lost one home, he now secures another. That's what he says there in verse 4. He says, look, I'm resolved what to do, that, I might receive, that they might receive me into their houses. You see, he realizes I'm going to lose my house, but I'll be received into theirs if I do this, this clever idea. Now, this is what he does here. It was crooked. It was dishonest. It was unjust, but it was clever. He was shrewd, wasn't he? It was astute and quick thinking. He sees his predicament and he looks ahead and he acts. And in verse 8, the Lord, we're told, commends the unjust steward because he had done wisely. Now we must note here that he was not commending him for being unjust and wicked. But he is commending him for his shrewd and astute plan. And this is really the key, this is the crux to, to this parable. The steward, you see, had ensured that his future was secure. You see, friends, this evening, this is my, my final point tonight. We are stewards, we said, yes, we are stewards that one day must give an account, yes. But the final thing this evening is, are we prepared stewards? You see, Christ in this parable, he's looking 
really beyond the story and beyond this world and beyond this life. And he's instructing us about things to come. He's instructing us about eternity. He tells this parable, you see, not so that we would all buy shares and take out life insurance and, you know, write our wills and, you know, make sure that we're financially secure in the future. That's not his purpose. His purpose here is, look, are you ready for eternity? That's his point that he's driving at. And friends, this evening, this is where so many fail, isn't it? They make great effort for the things of this life and they strive and they labour for the things of this world. People will travel land, they will travel sea to gain riches, won't they? And yet they have no interest in heaping up for themselves treasures in heaven. People will make all sorts of preparations for this life. And yet they make no preparation for eternity. And that's why we read that passage back in Proverbs chapter 6. You remember what Solomon was instructing the people there. He says, go to the ants. Go to the ants. Look at the ant. Look at this tiny little creature that with just a little bit of force, a little bit of pressure, you can kill it in a second. And yet it's wise. Why is it wise? Because it has no guide. It has no overseer. It has no ruler. And yet it provides for his meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. You see, they know they they need to be prepared. The little creatures that run around our feet that we hardly ever notice, they prepare for the future. And that's what Christ is saying here. Have you prepared for eternity? Let me ask you the question, what about you? Friends, tonight what a striking contrast we see here between this man and his conduct towards earthly prospects and the conduct of most people about their souls. And the question is, but what about you? What about your soul? What about eternity for you? Are you prepared? That's the question that we started with, isn't it? Are we ready for eternity? Are we ready to give an account to God? Are we ready to stand before him and tell him about our stewardship and all that we've done? Have we made preparation? You see, this man was astute. He was clever. He looked ahead. He saw his predicament. And friends, it's an awful predicament if you're still outside of Christ. It's an awful thing to to come before God still in your sin and to stand before the judgment seat of Christ just as you are. It's an awful thing. And you see, we should be like this man, not in his, in his dishonesty, but in his preparation. Remember what Jesus said? He said, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. And he says this, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Is your treasure in heaven? You know, Christ went on to say in that same passage in Sermon on the Mount, he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And friends, that's how you prepare for eternity. That's what you need to do to be ready, to be prepared for eternal life. You have to turn from your sin. You have to come and acknowledge, God, I've I've not been the steward I should have been. I've not used my time. I've not used my wealth. I've not used my opportunities. I've not used any of these things for your glory. I've sinned against you. But you come and you say, but thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died, 
died on the cross to bear my sin. He's the one who paid the price and I come and I trust in him. And you have to seek him and serve him and love him. You see, that's friends, that's how you prepare for the eternity to come. There's a famous story, it's used by preachers over and over again. I'm sure you've heard it. I'm going to tell you it now if you haven't heard it. It's the story about a jester and a king. And it's a story that illustrates really what I'm trying to say here about being prepared. It's a story about this king who hired this very funny and very foolish court jester. He was so funny and he was so foolish that the, that the king actually gave him a stick and he said, I'm going to give you this stick because you're the most foolish man I've ever met. But the king said to him, if you ever meet anybody who is more foolish than you, then you can give them this stick instead of you. You can pass it on to them and you can say what I've said to you. You're the most foolish man I've ever met. Some years later, the king was lying on his deathbed and he called his courtiers and his family and his servants. They were all stood around the bedside. And the king addressing them said to them, I'm about to leave you. I'm going on on a very long journey. And I shall not return again to this place. She says, so I've called you all here to say goodbye. Well, the jester stepped forward and addressing the king, he said to him, well, your, your majesty, can I, can I just ask you a question? When you have journeyed abroad on your royal tours, when you've been paying diplomatic visits and, and so on, your heralds, your servants, they've always gone before you. They've always prepared the way and you've had cases packed, you've had everything, you've had preparations made for these, these royal visits. And so he said, may I ask you, what preparations, your majesty, have you made for this long journey that you're about to take? Alas, replied the king, he said, I've made no preparations. And then said the jester, take this stick from me, for now I found a bigger fool than myself. You see, that king was not ready for eternity. And the question that we have for ourselves tonight is, are we ready Are we ready for that world to come? Are we ready to stand before the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, I trust and pray that each one of us will be and are. And if you're not, that even tonight you'd come and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the only one who can save you and make you ready and fit for the world to come.